Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Dear ones, thanks so much for joining us today on the Our Resolute Hope podcast. John Russin here with my dear friend, Pastor Frank Friedman. Welcome, Frank. It's great to hear your voice. Oh, this is a great opportunity, John, to dialogue together about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the best thing in the world to talk about. Amen. He certainly is. Well, Frank, for the past several episodes, we've been talking about something that's really familiar to a lot of us who have a hard time finding a church that clearly proclaims the glories of the new covenant. We read a book, we hear a message, a sweet message of grace. We hear about life and freedom. And we say, wow, this sounds too good to be true. So we check Father's word and we go, wow, it is true. So the first thing we want to do is run to a local assembly and share this life we have with Mm like-minded believers. But Frank, sometimes when we go into that assembly, we don't hear the same message that we read in scripture. Often, Frank, as you know, we hear a a mixture of old and new covenants. Mm -hmm. You know, not the old covenant parts about what to eat or what to wear, (laughs) how to live. What to sacrifice. Yeah, the sacrifices (laughs) or the fact that we got to travel to Jerusalem several times a year. We hear the parts that we like, you know, the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots and things like that. Mm -hmm. So we hear words on new life and the next week we'll hear about our sin nature. We'll hear about our liberty, and then we'll get hammered with law. And so this is just a tension that so many of us has have found. And it gives us a sense, if we sit under it long enough, of never really being quite able to measure up to God's standards. So, Frank, you've done a lot of counseling. Have I described the problem well? Oh, John, I think it's uh, not just a problem. It's an epidemic. You know, because we worked on a commentary recently that'll soon be out, this issue of law and grace was the main problem of the early church. It's very hard for us to let go of wanting to perform, wanting to achieve, wanting to do something. Adam birthed us all into a system of law. And that's not necessarily talking about the Ten Commandments. It's just the way the flesh operates. It's the way mankind in a fallen world operates. Unless God intervenes through the person and work of Christ, uh, puts us to death in in him, in the cross, so that we get liberated from this system of law. And then, John, when you add the Ten Commandments to the mix... And after all, Moses' face when he came down the mountain was shining like the sun. Oh, yeah. Uh, Supposed to follow the law. Well, there's two problems. One, of course, it was given to Israel. But then Israel was supposed to give that revelation to the Gentile world. But the other was that the glory on Moses' face faded away. 
symptomatic, emblematic, if you will, of how the law was supposed to fade away. And we have that Galatians 2.19 verse that through the law, we died to the law that we might live unto God. But it, it's hard for us, John. And so the early church wanted to achieve and Paul wrote Galatians as a Magna Carta of freedom. But unfortunately, throughout history, the church hasn't walked according to that Magna Carta. And so we mix along grace and people are confused, and people fail to live in the freedom that's theirs, and it's epidemic in our culture. And so when we find grace, John, I, I think many of us feel like we're lone wolves, that we can't find other people out there, churches out there that agree with us. And so many of us make this mistaken crusade that in our arrogance, we're going to change the church, and we get very... Uh, opinionated, very uh, arrogant in grace. We become grace Pharisees. We come downright obnoxious. And the only reason you and I know this, John, is because we did it. <laughs> oh, boy, you are so right. I don't think I was quite as obnoxious as you. Well, maybe I was. There I don't you know. go. No, I'm just going to say over the years, the Holy Spirit seasons us, matures us. And we realize that Jesus is going to build his church just fine without us. And then we become submissive to his spirit, still sharing the message of grace, but hopefully living it and expressing it in a way that instead of pushing people away from us, draws people toward us. Oh, yeah. And so this last episode, Frank, hopefully it's the last, depends on uh, where the spirit takes us. I want to try to encapsulate in a single thought mm -hmm. that maturity, that balance that the spirit brings in mm. time when we face a church that largely is mired in a mixture of law and grace and just as a really quick review we spent the past several weeks looking at the example of jesus and how he faced rejection how he went to the synagogues repeatedly what he did after they rejected him, we spent some time looking at the Apostle Paul and how he handled rejection and how he cultivated relationships with like-minded believers to encourage each other, support each other. And so what I want to do, Frank, is sort of capture the essence of our previous four episodes mm -hmm. and digest it into one single thought. And we mm -hmm. find that thought in 2 Corinthians 5 where Paul describes a role for us. And that's this. We are ambassadors for Christ. Mm -hmm. And God makes his appeal through us. Now, Frank, we don't often hear the word ambassador mentioned in churches. We hear about being a witness or being an evangelist or being a teacher or a Christ follower. But we don't hear much about being an ambassador. Why do you think that is? John, I think it's multifold. You know, just quickly off the top of my head, I wasn't expecting that question. But we make our life an issue of that we've got to share the message of grace. And so we become consumed with the mission. I think that's one thing we do. When we're consumed with the mission, that ultimately is going to lead to a consuming mindset about ourselves because we've got to do that. 
And so the focus becomes on us and our work, which to summarize it, maybe I could say we become men with a message or women with a word, but that's not really the focus of an ambassador. You know, an ambassador, just in my quick thought here, it's not about him. It's about who he's representing. That's right. Am I on the right path there oh, with that I, word, John? I think you are. <laughs> and by the way, you responded to that coming in from left field question exactly as I predicted you would. Oh. <laughs> we spent too much time together. <laughs> I know it. You hit the nail on the head, Frank. An ambassador is basically just a person sent by a country to be its official representative in a foreign land. Mm. And so basically, ambassadors are the personal embodiments of the thoughts, actions, and attitudes of their home country. Mm. Uh, their job is simply to represent their homes and to be such good representatives that anyone who meets with them would have the very same experience if they were to go to that country's capital city and speak with the leader. So that's the picture of a perfect representative. Now, Frank, if we are ambassadors for Christ, that sort of changes what you just described as our role, doesn't it? So that's pretty sobering. We are the light of the world. We represent Christ to all we meet. That's a stunningly sobering thought. At least it is to me. Hmm. Or maybe you already have wrestled with that and are comfortable with it. But boy, it's pretty ground shaking to me. Listening to you just now, the person I thought of was Paul. You know, John, we don't find him boasting much about himself, but we do find him boasting about Christ. And I'm thinking of the Corinthian letter where he said this, I came to you preaching Christ crucified. So that's an ambassador right there. He's not talking about himself. He's talking about the person he represents. And, and, you know, in that letter, he goes on to say, the Jews, well, Christ is a stumbling block to them because it's all about being delivered from the law. And he said to the Greek mind, he said, well, this is foolishness that God would become a man and die. He said, but that's who I'm about. I come preaching Christ. And that's the essence of my message. So he was the true ambassador, That's I right. guess we'd say. And you know, if you were to go to an embassy in Washington, D.C. and speak with an ambassador and say, hey, I don't know anything about your country. Tell me about it. They're not going to expect you to understand anything about their home country. They will lay it all out for you. Frank, this is exactly the picture. And so if I were to walk into an embassy and ask that question to an ambassador, He's not going to slap me upside the head, criticize me for not knowing the things that in his mind I ought to know. He's going to take me aside and say, okay, great questions. Let me explain to you how it works in our country. No criticism, no condemnation. He just is there to represent the truth about his country. This brings to mind, and you know, we talked about this earlier, this brings to mind a, a situation I had in my job several years ago. My university, along with the embassy for Hungary in the U.S., were hosting a reception. 
And the room was filled with the representatives, dignitaries from a number of other European countries and universities. And of course, I was there in my university. And several things impressed me about the message that the ambassador gave us, Frank. First was what he didn't say. We were seven, eight blocks from the White House in the middle of a very divisive administration. He didn't say a word about our leader, our government, or our policies. At the very same time, Europe was just embroiled in a refugee crisis with people escaping out of Syria. And each of those countries was handling those refugees differently. He didn't say a word about criticizing their leaders or their practices either. But instead, for 20 minutes, he just simply talked about all the benefits, opportunities, and advancements, the blessings, if you will, that Hungary offered. And Frank, he knew his audience very well. And he targeted his comments to basically strum a chord to hit a specific interest in each of his listeners. And I'll tell you, my friend, I sat under him for 20 minutes and he spoke so persuasively, Frank, that he made me want to move to Hungary. And if you know anything about Hungary, they have one of the most impossible languages in the world and has 40, <laughs> it has true. 44 different letters. It didn't matter because he made his home country sounds so attractive, as attractive as it could possibly be. And he invited me to make it my home too, Frank. This is exactly what Christ's ambassadors are to do, isn't it? You know, John, that's an interesting twist. You and I grew up in very much of what was a fundamentalist mindset in the church. In fact, when we were taught to share the gospel, we were taught to, first of all, create a problem. And we created a problem by focusing on sin and the judgment of God against sin. And so our role was really to scare the daylights out of people and scare them into the kingdom. And yet in Romans 2, there's a very interesting verse. It says the goodness of God leads to repentance. In fact, I was having this discussion with a, a pastor last week, and I was sharing with him that I don't think declaring sin and judgment is going to work all that much in this culture. We have a culture that is basically doesn't care about sin. It's all about them and, and how they feel and getting their needs met. And I think it's interesting. We could jump on that with what you're teaching about an ambassador and this verse in Romans and say, let me tell you about the kingdom I represent. He's come to bring joy and peace and abundant life and, and true freedom and, and rest and that's really what you're describing. That's how we can function as ambassadors today. Let me tell you about my king and the glorious inheritance and, and blessings that he wants to bring to anyone who would choose to become part of his kingdom. So that's an interesting thought. That's a great application, my friend. 
And as I'm thinking about what you're saying, the goodness of God, my mind runs to John 12, whereas the scripture says, we lift up Jesus. Hmm. He will draw those who are going to come to him. It's simply to lift up Jesus. And so we don't round up all these people. You know, so many times when you've been through evangelism training or what have you, we don't drown them up. We lift him up and he draws them. And here's what struck me, Frank, a lot when I was thinking about this. We are ambassadors, Paul says, for Jesus Christ alone. Hmm. Not for any, and I want to be careful when I say this, but we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ alone, not for any particular political, social, or religious views we think he has. Because we tend to do that, you know, we hmm. tend to take our views on these issues and we say, well, I think this way. So our Lord must think this way too. But but when we do that, my friend, we get bogged down in issues that are not our real mission. Hmm. We focus on these instead of Christ alone. And I tell you, I'm guilty of this as much as anybody else, maybe more than many. When we focus on these issues instead of Christ alone, Frank, we miss the boat entirely. Hmm. We start to sink in the waves, just like Peter did when he took his eyes off Jesus. And what happens? The message of Jesus, the life, grace, freedom, peace, rest, and joy that he brings, that message gets lost in the hubbub of who's right. Hmm. Wow. What a commentary on where we have blundered so much my friend i'm just thinking while you're speaking john and and recently i've been teaching a lot when i travel on the trinity and the trinity in its essence is an issue of love you know first john four god is love and in the beginning god genesis 1 1 and it's elohim which is a plurality of oneness so the Trinity is all about a relationship of love. And this is what we were birthed in. We are from God as our source, like God, made in his image, but not God, different from God, but birthed in this fear of dynamic love. We walked away from it in Adam. Our journey is back to it through Christ. And John 3.16, you can't get any more basic than that. For God so loved the world. And then 1 John 4, if you know God, then you love. And I'm just applying this to what we talked about earlier. In the fundamental movement, it was sin, judgment, hell. And John, I'm not saying we're to be light on sin or anything like that. But God so loved that he sent his son and dealt with sin. And then what happened is I look at it historically, we had that fundamental movement, and then we had a liberal movement in reaction to that because it was more about love and focused on social issues that would demonstrate love. And I'm just thinking to myself here, John, and I guess I'm thinking out loud, but I wonder, would we have had a liberal 
movement if the fundamental movement had understood and proclaimed the love of God, not just a reaction against sinful, immoral issues. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. What you're describing, Frank, is something you and I have talked about many times over many years. There's a pendulum swing in the issues of our lives. And we go from one side to the other, and that pendulum ball spins a fraction of a millisecond in perfect balance before it shoots off into the other direction. And this pretty much describes a lot of our attitudes over the years and how we have swung back and forth from both extremes. We have missed the main point of lifting up Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think if we lifted him up and... In him is life, and the life is the light of men. So we've kind of got it backwards. It's almost like we're trying to bring the light and say, don't you see what you're doing is wrong? And we end up trying to moralize a bunch of dead people instead of bringing them life. Yeah. And if they just had the life, the light would go on and they would go, well, I don't want to live like that. That's not who I am, and yeah. that's not love. Yeah. So it's it's really fascinating. We need to bring them life. That's the main issue. Yeah, uh, And we only do that by bringing them Jesus, because his life is abundant. It's only Christ's truth that can open their eyes so that they can see how they have misunderstood Scripture, mm. how they've been walking in condemnation, both condemning themselves and assuming their God condemns them as well, and mm -hmm. missing out on the grace, freedom, love, joy, peace, and rest that Jesus died to give us. And so mm -hmm. I want to bring this back, Frank, to the main focus as we begin to wrap this up. You know, the mm -hmm. question is, you know, what do we do when we walk into a church that really is confused about the issue of law and grace and teaches both? Well, first, we need to realize that well, Father might have you there for a purpose. You know, just like Jesus went to the synagogues, not to learn, but to give. He might have us in those churches to share the truth. You know, it's like getting back to the ambassador picture. An ambassador isn't given a voice as to where she or he will serve in the world. That's the leader's decision as to where they're going to deploy their ambassadors. It's the same thing with us. Our Lord knows exactly where to place us to not only advance his kingdom in the world, Frank, but, and I think this is more important or perhaps equally important, to advance his kingdom in us too. And so we're to bloom where he plants us, my friend. And we are to shine the light. You know, we talked about this in one of the previous episodes about us being the light of the world. We're to shine that light, speak the truth, show the truth from Scripture, and allow the Holy Spirit to do his work. Because, Frank, you and I both know that we cannot convince anybody mm -hmm. of anything. The Holy mm -hmm. Spirit is the teacher, the only teacher. And unless, uh, unless he opens their eyes, unless they consent and cooperate with him, uh, there's nothing we can do mm -hmm. except just make things even more tense than they should be. Wow. Hmm. Listening to you, I had a revolutionary thought in my brain. <laughs> 
We've said this before, John, that when a church is locked in Galatianism, mixture of law and grace and legalism, how shall they hear without a preacher? If we leave the church, how are they going to hear about grace? But this twist of thought today that we're not only ambassadors to the unbelieving world, we are also ambassadors to the believing world. Oh, yes. We're ambassadors to the church, bringing that life of Christ to them. And, you know, there's that adage, preach Christ always and sometimes use words. I think sometimes we're trying to correct them with doctrine without letting them see a life, like Jesus said, that our good works will so shine that we'll draw them to us. And, and the same way that Peter said, be ready always to give an answer for the hope that's in you. So we should be living a life that is a magnet, not just as an ambassador to the unbeliever, but as an ambassador to the church, that they would want to ask us, wow, you seem to live in freedom. You have a joy. You have a peace. How do you have that? And then we can share with them the life that Christ has. Yeah. You know, John, there was a lady, she was legalistic, and she left the church so many years ago. But I did find out there was a lady that said she didn't like the fact that she didn't have what we have. And that's sad because if she'd have only asked, we could have told her as a Christian, you already have what we have. You just don't know it. And then we could have shared with her the finished work of Christ that she hadn't yet come to understand. She had enough Jesus to get her into heaven, but not enough Jesus to bring heaven into her right now. And, you know, we're not criticizing people when we say Mm -hmm. this, Frank. Paul writes this letter to the Thessalonians. This is 1 Thess 3.10. And he prays earnestly that he'll see them face to face. And this is why. And supply what is lacking in your faith. So Mm. all of us, we all have areas, Frank, that we do Mm. not understand. Mm. You know, if we understood everything, we would walk in faith and trust and peace 24-7. But you know, we don't because we don't understand everything. We get our eyes twisted and we look the wrong way. And so when we walk into these assemblies or we deal with believers who are confused mm-hmm. about law and grace, maybe Father is placing us there to supply what's lacking in their faith. Maybe mm-hmm. we will be the one who would preach the message of life Maybe we will be the ones who will lead them Mm. to the full gospel, not the way some talk about the full gospel, but the real full gospel. And Frank, as we wrap this up, that's how I see our role as ambassadors. Mm. You know, we don't have to be sent. We're already sent. That's our Mm. job. And so will we step into it? Will we put aside everything that we know the Spirit's already taught us Will we put that aside and then cater to those who have not yet received the revelation we have? Will we bend down and stoop down? 
with them and walk with them and share the life we have in a way they can understand. That's really the question of being mm. an ambassador, isn't it? And I'm going to let you wrap us up mm. with that. I just listened to you. I, I'm thinking of James. I think this is where James ties in to the rest of the New Testament. Uh, we say we have faith. That's a wonderful thing. But how about demonstrating it? How about living the life that affirms that we have the truth and then pointing people away from ourselves to the source of that life that we are experiencing so they can experience it too. And John, I think that sums up what an ambassador of Jesus Christ is. We lift him up and not ourselves. That's so that's right. a good word today. It is. Thank you and for uh, bringing this to the table. May we always remember that because it's easy to forget. Mm -hmm. Oh, my friends, you've been listening to Frank and John chat away on what it's like to be an ambassador for Christ here on the Our Resolute Hope podcast. And if Father has touched you today, we invite you to visit our website, ourresolutehope.com. There'll be lots of resources there for you. In fact, we're in the middle of revamping it at this present time. And so you'll see a new face fairly soon, new arrangements and some brand new content as well. Don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram. Check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe, ring the bell so you'll hear every time I put up something new. And once again, as always, we close with the same reminder from Hebrews chapter 6 that we have a hope. No matter which circumstances we're in, Frank, no matter how gloomy it might seem, we have a hope that's an anchor for our souls. Not a stake in the ground that can be pulled off or driven by the wind. It's an anchor that's immovable. Peter calls this hope a living hope. Uh, you and I call it a resolute hope, a bedrock, immovable hope. So today and always, no matter what you're facing, dear ones, choose to cling to that hope. Choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live His life with you, in you, and through you as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.